One guest, 10 songs, 10 reasons. Music was my first love on Radio Glamorgan. My guest on this edition of Music Was My First Love is a Welsh academic and sportswoman. She was captain of the Welsh national football team winning 24 caps. During her 12 years at Cardiff City, she collected two Welsh Women's Cup winners medals as well as winning promotion into the FA Women's Premier League. She is currently Professor of Public Policy and the Governance of Wales at the Wales Governance Centre at Cardiff University. In 2016, she was made a CBE for services to sport, and all of that is just the tip of the iceberg on what has been and is a successful and inspiring professional career. I'm talking about Professor Laura McAllister, CBE, FLSW, and with loads to talk about, including her music choices. We'll hear from Laura after her first choice from Fleur David. Laura McAllister, it's a pleasure to welcome you to Radio Glamorgan's Morgan's Music Was My First Love. Thank you very much, Andrew. It's my pleasure to be here. Tell me about your first choice, a Welsh version of a song all non-Welsh-speaking persons, I'm sure, would have recognised. Yeah, one of my one of my favourite Welsh-language uh, soloists, Flir Dafydd. Fyr Gobaith Cariad, Faith, Hope, uh, Love. Uh, three really important uh, emotions, you know, things that I think get us through life, uh, especially at the tough times. Mm. I just think that's a beautiful, beautiful ballad and something that, you know, has a lot of poignancy and I'm sure it would have a lot of meaning in either English or Welsh yeah. for, for lots, lots of listeners. Before we talk about sport, um, I'll ask you what I ask all my guests on Music Was My First Love and that is, have you always been a music lover? Yes, I have, yeah. I've always loved music. Um Grew up in a really musical family. I mean, I got no musical talent, I should say, first of all. I, I was a complete duffer at piano <laughs> and every instrument I tried. My sister was a good pianist and my partner's a, a, um, a musician, but I, I've got no talent in that department whatsoever. So I've consoled myself with listening to music instead. And I like a bit of everything, really. So, you know, there's pretty eclectic choice here. Where did uh, the love from sport come from? Oh, that's a good question. Um do you know, I think I was born uh, a sports mad baby. Um, my family are pretty sporty. Uh, my mother was a good athlete. Uh, my dad is a good golfer and tennis player. But, you know, football was my passion from as soon as I could toddle, really, never mind walk. Um, my grandfather took me to see Cardiff City when I was a really young child. I mean, I, I mean, as young as two or three. Mm. Uh, my grandfather was involved with my Stig uh, Cardiff City Supporters Club big Wales fan um, and I went to both the old Ninian Park and to um, uh, watch games Wales games there as well so um, it was a passion really and as a, as a young girl you know I was out playing football with boys from the earliest age and I didn't really have any conception at that stage that there would be differences in terms of how we could play football where and how and to what standard, really? So I just carried on with it until somebody told me that it wasn't something that girls were generally doing. Did you uh, stand on the bog bank, or were you in the family enclosure at the Old Ninian Park? Uh, it, when I went with my grandfather, I was actually in the grandstand um, right. because my grandfather had had a season ticket there. Um, and uh, as I progressed and graduated up the age ranges, um, I went with one of my best friends, Liz Copas. 
uh, and we used to we used to stand in the enclosure end just below the grandstand, you know, which was the standing area. Yeah. And then we graduated to the Bob Bank. Um, and for a while, we had season tickets in the in the Canton stand as well. So I, I think I pretty much sat in every seat in the Old Union Park it's, during my years supporting the city. It's the thought that you have to graduate to the Bog Bank. <laughs> yeah, I think you, I think you do really. Yeah, and some would say you graduate to the Grange End, but I, yeah. I've always been a fan of seeing the, the seeing football from uh, the side of the pitch rather than behind the right, goals. Yeah. You know? Tell me uh, about your second choice from uh, Scottish band, the Proclaimers. Okay. Yeah, I I, I really love. Um, this song from the Proclaimers. Um, what, I suppose without disclosing too much, um, one, one of my ex-boyfriends was a close friend of um, Charlie and Craig, the Proclaimers, so I met them a couple of times in Glasgow. Lovely, lovely guys, quite political guys as well, as you can tell from the lyrics mm. of songs. Um, and they were massive uh, Hibs fans, Hibernian fans, and of course this song is the anthem of uh, Hibs, and if you see the Hibs fans or hear the Hibs fans singing this after a victory, it really is quite something. Hockey and netball in school, uh, Laura, and you're also a runner. But from what you said earlier, were you always going to be drawn to a career in football? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'd, I'm not sure I'd say career because obviously it was very difficult to make a professional living out of football if you were female hmm. at that time. But I loved all sports, in all honesty. I, mean, I was really fortunate in my school, Brintillion Comprehensive, to have some absolutely fantastic PE staff. I mean, two of them were hockey internationals. Um, and Mrs Owen and uh, Bev Pierce, and of course they were desperate for me to play hockey, but but you know I loved all sports, but football was the one that really drew me. You know I remember the excitement of you know kicking a ball around after school and um, just the joy of it really. So it was always the one that really tugged me in. And you know if I think if I'd lived in a different era, you know I would have probably given up anything academically hmm. to have been a pro footballer. And as a female, did you have support from home and school for your football? Yeah, massively so, in fairness, from home and from school. I mean, you know, my parents and my teachers could see how much I loved the game. But the problem was that the structures just weren't there for, for girls at that time. They weren't really um, clubs, you know, and without clubs you can't play. No. There wasn't a competition structure and there certainly wasn't a route to being a, a professional player. So, you know, I, I only kind of cottoned on to that really as I got to my teenage years because before that I'd played just with boys and you know I was as good as the boys so I assumed that I could progress as easily as they could but then when I saw boys going off to do apprenticeships as were then and it became apparent that they you know those opportunities weren't available to us as girls. Now I'm born and bred Cardiff I've spent 54 of my 55 years living in South Wales but to my shame Laura I don't speak any Welsh so a few of your choices you'll have to help me out with so yeah. tell me about uh, your next choice from Candelas yeah Candelas yeah uh, this is called Redegi Paris and there's a bit of a story to this it's a cover version of a song released back in about 1990 I think by a, a sort of punk Welsh punk band called Aran Revan, which means chaos. Um, and this this was a cover version that was released for Euro 2016 and for Wales um, 
uh, for Wales in that magical summer, yeah. of course. I went to every game in the I'm Euros. Sure you did, yeah. I felt like I'd been waiting my life for that to happen. But this this version became a little bit of an anthem uh, amongst the fans. I mean, everybody knows about Don't Take Me Home and everything else, but this was an anthem, especially amongst those of us who, who speak Welsh and actually amongst lots of the English-speaking fans too once they realise what it was all about. You started your career at Millwall, but your greatest success came from your 12 years at Cardiff City, didn't it? They must have been happy times. Oh, fantastic, yeah. When I came back from university, I went to London School of Economics to do my first degree. And when I came back, I, I, it was before Google, of course, so I was desperately looking through directories of what club I could join in Cardiff. But made the best decision of my career, really, to join Cardiff City Ladies, uh, where not only did I have a fabulous playing career, but made some of the best friends that I could ever imagine. And I'm still great friends with a lot of the girls I played with in that era. Before you could win uh, any international caps, uh, it took you and two others in 1982 to play a big part in getting the FA Wales to grant recognition to women's football. At the beginning of the process, were you hitting a stone wall? Um, well, it was actually a bit later than that, Andrew. It was in, it was in 93 when... Uh, actually, I, I said 82. University. Yeah, I've got yeah. written down in 92. Uh, it's my new lenses. Yeah, 90, yeah <laughs> season 93, 94. And, and I went along with Karen Jones and Michelle Adams from Cardiff City to see Alan Evans, who was the General Secretary of the FAW at that time. And we, we just made the case for the FAW taking charge of the women's game and creating an international team because some of the players, like Karen and Michelle, had organised the Wales team themselves previously. They'd done it all off their own back. They'd funded it. They'd organised trials. They'd organised kit. And it seemed to me profoundly unfair that, that there wasn't an international Welsh women's team. I mean, obviously, that's a bit selfish because, you know, I clearly wanted a place yeah. if, I w- if I was good enough. But it was just inequitable, really. And fortunately for us, Alan Evans uh, was very responsive. He came along to watch some of our club games. And actually, it's fair to say he got hooked on women's football and probably cared more about it at the end of his career than he did about the men's hmm. game. Tell me about your next choice from a lady who, you have to say, is a great inspiration for women, and that's Dolly Parton. Yeah, I love I love this song. Um, it's a really special song, um, one that I relate to my, my partner, Thinos, but also a song that I think... Um, says a lot about true love you know and, and sometimes letting people go even I mean not in this context but mm. it's it's a it's a beautiful song and I think Dolly Parton as you said is a wonderful role model for everything she does you know not just music <laughs> your next choice Laura is from operatic star Sabrina Tyfel. Uh, tell me about this one and, if you would please, what it's called. OK, uh, it's called Begelior Gwenith Gwyn, which means watching the white wheat. And anybody who comes from the area where I was brought up, um, the Llinvi Valley, uh, will know this. It's the, it's a love song, but it describes a really tragic love affair between Will Hopkin and Anne Thomas. Uh, the story is the maid of Kevin Edver in the village of Llangynoid. Something very close to my heart because my grandparents came from uh, Nantafallon or all my mother's family came from the Llinvi Valley. Um, and my mum and dad actually got married in Llan Church, which of course is where Anne Thomas uh, is is uh, buried. Lovely story, well, a very sad story, but a lovely romantic story if anybody doesn't know it. But this is the um, 
It's something very important to me because my mother died very suddenly in, um, 10 years ago now and it, it's something that reminds me of her heritage, her background, her community um, so it's got a lot of emotional connection for me. You're listening to another edition of Radio Glamorgan's Music Was My First Love with Welsh footballer, academic and broadcaster Laura McAllister choosing ten of her favourite tracks. Well, I've got to be honest, um, the only reason I've chosen that song is that it's one one of my daughter's favourite songs and I've got two young daughters, Annie, who's eight, and uh, Isabella, or Belle, so she's known, who's coming up to four. And they absolutely love dancing. And they usually they usually commandeer us to join in. And that's <laughs> one of Annie's favourite songs. So that's the reason I've chosen it. Where uh, did your interest in politics come from? Did you study? Yeah, I did. Although I, I was interested in politics before I went to university to do a degree in politics. My grandfather was a, um, a union official with the NUM. He was a miner in my state. And I'd always been interested in the discussions that we had with him, really, about rights of workers and, and just power, basically, at local and national level. And then I went on to London School of Economics where I did a degree in politics and then came back to Cardiff to do my PhD. So I've always been interested in politics. Um, initially interested in parties and I did stand in two general elections for, for Plaid Cymru. But then I realised that really no party was that close to my own political beliefs and I, I left Plaid and I've never been a member of a political party since so I do more commentary and analysis and research on it now. And once you retired uh, from football were you always heading towards sports administration in one form or another? No not really um, I, I I think it happened Andrew because um, I had my academic career I was really enjoying that and I retired relatively young from international football when I was I think 32 most most women could you know could could have played till a bit longer than that but it was difficult to juggle my academic career with my sporting career and I, and then after a couple of years of just you know having a break I, I thought to myself I want to want to put something back into football particularly but sport more generally because I'd had so much out of it and I felt I owed a debt to sport really to do something at least and I wasn't going to be a coach so I looked down the route of of governance and being involved in administrating administration of sport which is not an easy thing to say what um, <laughs> what so what does uh, being professor of governance mean and entail well, look, you know, professorial titles are weird and wonderful things. Mm. But for, for, for me, um, once I had my uh, personal chair in Liverpool and then obviously I, I moved from Liverpool University down to Cardiff University, coming home, so to speak, um, I, I wanted it to reflect what I was interested in researching. And for me, it's always been about how Wales is governed, how Wales relates to the other nations in the UK and how Wales relates to the world. And, and really, governance is all about that. You know, it's about how we're governed, who contributes, the role of the public, the role of other organisations. And so it's a nice wide brief, really, mm. let's say. So that's always the best title. Give yourself as much flexibility as you can. 
Don't don't shut the door on other subjects. Uh, UB40 for your seventh choice, Laura. Are you a fan? Yeah, I mean, I was I'm in and on about what reggae song to choose because I'm a massive reggae and ska fan. I was going to choose something a bit more hardcore and heavy. But, you know, um, I've introduced my, my kids to reggae and they, they love this song. And um, in, in the week when we've lost Astro, you know, one yeah. of the founder members, UB40, it seems like a good choice. As a sports administrator, the success that you've helped oversee must be the envy of all. As chair of Sports Wales between 2010 and 2016, you oversaw the most successful period ever in elite sports in Wales with record-breaking success at the 2012 Olympics and Paralympic Games, record-breaking success at the 2014 Commonwealth Games and much the same in Rio 2016. You must be incredibly proud of those achievements and the people that took part. Or massively proud, but they're not my achievements. You know, I mean, clearly I had a leadership role, but that, those are the achievements of first and foremost the athletes, and then secondly the fantastic team of people that we had at Sport Wales who organised and planned and strategised for for success. And I think all, all I did was was come in and give them, you know, the the kind of license to fulfil their talent really but yeah it was it was a fabulous period one of the best periods of my my life really and I feel honoured that I had an opportunity to be so close to Welsh sport and to to play a small part in those successes at probably one of the most exciting times ever in the history of Welsh sport. Mm. And is is does the future look good? Yeah it does um the whole point about establishing good structures for sport is to make them sustainable otherwise you have a kind of boom and bust uh, approach where things will you'll have great highs but you'll also have terrible lows and I think everything we're trying to do in Welsh sport whether that's football or, or rugby or anything else is about sustainable success so we qualified for the Euros in 2016 we qualified again for 2020 we want the women to qualify for the next World Cup and for the next Euros and mm. it's about you know raising our ambitions raising our aspirations and being the really confident nation that Wales is on the sporting field. I just wish we were more confident in other sectors of life. Yes, this is true. Um, and I'm interested to know how it feels uh, in 2016 when you open up a letter um, offering you uh, uh, the honour of a CBE. Well, I've got to say, and I've written a bit about this, um, I, I'm, I feel slightly compromised, if I'm being really honest, uh, because my politics are Republican, um, so I'm not a great fan of the monarchy, um, and that's nothing personal, of course. Mm. It's nothing to do with the individuals who are in the positions. It's more to do with the institution and the uh, profile and what that means, really. So I w if I'm being really honest, I wasn't that enthusiastic on about accepting the, the CBE, but I was told in no uncertain terms by um, the sporting community in Wales <laughs> that this was a recognition of the work they'd done, you know, mm. not the work I'd done. Um, and, you know, it left me with little choice other than to accept it. And I don't mean to be churlish because no. I know a lot of people care about this enormously. But, but if, I, if I was being true to my values and my beliefs, um, I probably wouldn't have accepted that uh, award. But, it, you know, it, it felt like a kind of strange compromise to do so. But, you know, I, I, I appreciate that these, these awards and these honours go to people who have, have worked fantastically hard for their communities and for their sectors. And I don't want anything I say to detract from, you know, the great honour that they've had in, in being awarded these, um, these honours. I'm very excited, Laura, now about your eighth choice. 
um, a song I haven't heard since when I was a small boy. My dad used to sing it to me and with me. Um, why Harry Belafonte's uh, Holding My Bucket, <laughs> featuring um, Odetta, who I've only recently discovered and love. Yeah, it's a fantastic song, and the same reasons that you've mentioned there, really, Andrew, that this is a song that uh, my kids love, and we play it in the car when we're going down to Pembrokeshire, because we've got a caravan near Amroth, and we always put on a playlist, um, and uh, both of our kids love this song, and we all act it out. One of us is Henry, one of us is Liza, and then we, we usually read out the different lines between us, and it usually involves lots of hilarious laughter. There's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza, dear Liza. There's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza, a hole. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for choosing that. It's just <laughs> fantastic to hear it again. Happy memories. Very happy. Um, I'd like to talk to you a little, if I may, about Stonewall, uh, of which you were a board member between 2012 and 2016. For those who don't know, Laura, tell us exactly what Stonewall is. Yeah, so Stonewall is the... Um, charity that campaigns for and tries to advocate for um, LGBT uh, people. Um, uh, I was on the board probably for only three years, I think, during that time, um, and the organisation's moved in a rather different direction, I think, since then. But I think the work that it's done in Wales, particularly with young people who are gay, um, to try and raise their confidence and self-belief and, and normalise their experiences um, and as well some of the anti-bullying campaigns is really fundamentally important so it was a good organisation to be involved with at that time. How significant do you think it would be for a top uh, Premier League footballer to come out as gay? Well, because they ha we haven't had a, a current footballer, male footballer um, in the UK come out as gay as yet, it will be hugely significant. But I have to say, it's a, it's a little bit ridiculous, isn't it, really, that we're still waiting for that to happen. And the pressure on somebody now who does come out as gay is going to be immense. And it's, it's ludicrous, really, in 2021 when, you know, it's so obvious that a sizable proportion of the population I is gay and really most people have no issue with it, that mm. football still remains such an outlier. I think it's a sad, sad indictment of where we are in the game. Do you think there's there's people behind the scenes, whether it's people at the clubs, whether it's agents telling them not to still? Um, it's hard to know, isn't it? I mean, you know, f football is such a strange world. It's I often talk about its exceptionalism, you know, the fact that there's so few, few women involved in its governance, the fact that there are so few out male players. Um I, I find it odd to imagine agents would be championing that now because I think, if anything, uh, if more gay players came out, they'd probably find they'd have pretty lucrative deals mm. because, you know, the, the gay market is a is an enormous one and I would have thought the first players would get a good share of that. Tell me about your penultimate choice, Laura, for, from Kerncraft 400. 4,000, okay, I beg your pardon. Yeah, Kerncraft 4,000. Uh, Zombie Nation, um, anybody who's a Wales fan will know this song. It became the kind of anthem of the Wales fans in the run-up to qualification for 2016. It's a, it's a kind of, you know, it's it's a strange old Euro disco um, hmm. uh, song, but any, anybody who supports Wales will know this. I've, I've danced along with Wales fans in lots of European capitals over the years to this, and it's another one my kids like dancing to. Yeah. 
your final choice, Laura, on this edition of Music Was My First Love is from My Gwyneth. Tell me about this closing song. This is this is unashamedly one for my younger daughter Isabella, Bella, um, but also for, for Annie as well. This is um, the Earth song. A lot, a lot of your listeners will know about the Earth, the biggest uh, youth movement uh, anywhere in the world, I think. And it's something that I grew up um, as part of, did a lot of sport through the Earth, and my kids now are active members and love all of the activities. And this is the kind of anthem of, of the Earth movement, so it's something that we sing along to and the girls dance to. And it's just a really important reminder of how different it is for kids now growing up uh, using both of our national languages and doing sport through Welsh and doing things that I think even 15 years ago maybe we wouldn't imagine uh, Wales of 2021 doing and feeling like. Two final questions, Laura. As you look back on a long and very successful career, is there... I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, but is there one thing that stands out to you that you've done both on and off the field that that you're most proud of? Oh, gosh, that's difficult, Andrew, isn't it? You know, I'm I'm proud of my academic work, of course, and my work with the CERNED and trying to improve the democracy we have in Wales. But if you ask anybody who's represented their country, then without without a shadow of a doubt, we'd all say that it's about putting on the red shirt of Wales. And for, for, for me to have been captain as well, you know, that was... That was such a special time and um, it, it was fulfilling a dream that that little girl growing up in Bridgend had and didn't think could be fulfilled really. So um, yeah, it's got to be representing Wales without a shadow of a doubt. And as we sit here very early November 2021, uh, what's the future for Laura McAllister? Well, I'm about to take on uh, the chairing role of a new independent commission that has been set up by the Welsh Government with uh, Dr Rowan Williams, former Archbishop of Canterbury, and we're, we're charged with looking at the constitutional future and the political future of Wales. So something really close to my heart and something I hope the Welsh people will buy into and really engage with because I think the United Kingdom is changing without a shadow of a doubt. There may not be a United Kingdom in five to ten years' time and it's really important that Wales is on the front foot in our discussions of how we want our nation to be in the future so I hope that that will be an exciting time, not just for us, but for everybody in Wales. But um, that's going to take up a fair chunk of my time. And who knows, I might stand for another FIFA or UEFA election as well. But um, I'll have to carve out a bit of time for that too. <laughs> Laura McAllister, it's been a pleasure chatting and listening to your music choices. Thank you for joining us on Music Was My First Love. Thank, thank you, Andrew. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> You've been listening to Music Was My First Love on Radio Glamorgan, where Professor Laura McAllister, former Welsh football international, sports administrator and academic, has been choosing ten of her favourite songs. My name's Andrew Wolfe, and join me again very soon when someone else chooses ten of their favourite tracks on another edition of Music Was My First Love. <laughs>